Girl Camper is sponsored by Progressive Insurance. Get an RV policy quote by calling 1-800-PROGRESSIVE or going to progressive.com backslash RV. And go Little Guy Worldwide, whose full line of lightweight camping trailers are Girl Camper favorites. Hello, my name is Janine Pettit, and I'm a girl camper. I go places and I do things in my little 1966 Go Tagalong vintage travel trailer. Along the way, I meet many interesting people traveling the back roads, and I want to share their stories with you. We will talk about the qualities of what makes a girl camper and how you can become a girl camper too. The girl campers are having a party, and you're invited. Stay tuned while I share what's happening on the back roads of America the Beautiful. Welcome. I'm Janine Pettit, Girl Camping Ambassador, Blogger, Adventurist, and Podcaster. And this is Episode 49 of Girl Camper, the Podcast. Well, our show this week is all about managing a crisis. Well, maybe crisis is too strong of a word. How about coping with a breakdown? So if you were listening last week, you heard me say that I was off to Ohio for a bucket list sister on the fly trip. And God willing, and the creek didn't rise, I would be sharing the photos of our cheeseburger in paradise parrothead party on Instagram. Well, the creek did rise and overflow its banks. My bucket sprung a leak, but I'm still a happy camper. And I'm going to share some tips on navigating the unexpected when you're all alone on the road. Stay tuned. News Roundup is brought to you today by Progressive Insurance. Progressive RV customers can also sign up for Vacation Liability, an optional coverage that protects you if others are injured around your RV or your campsite. To sign up for optional liability protection of up to $500,000, call 1-800-PROGRESSIVE or visit progressive.com backslash RV. And no running with your marshmallow forks. That's dangerous. So in our news roundup today, I want to talk about something exciting that happened in the Airstream world this week. And that is the Airstream Base Camp trailer has made its debut. So the Base Camp has a little bit of a history that I would like to share with you. So 10 or 12 years ago, Airstream partnered with Nissan the automaker Nissan, to develop a lightweight towable trailer that could be taken on small Nissan type of at midsize SUVs and it would be a very rugged outdoor trailer. So those who like to hike and fish and kayak and go to very remote off the grid places would tow this thing and it would just be a, an outdoor person's dream. Well, according to Mike Carlin, friend of the show, formerly of Hadesee, but now of Airstream of South Florida, it was a miserable disaster. It could not have gone worse, he said. He said that the trailer itself was just really an empty shell. It basically was a, a prototype with two twin beds in it. It didn't have a bathroom. It didn't have a kitchen. 10 or 12 years ago, we didn't have the capacity to do the solar plant panels like they have now. So the whole project was shelved and five years went by in which the 
the uh, agreement with Nissan went off the wayside. They had to wait till that um, died out. They had a contract with them, and that was ran its course. And then Airstream began to think, what could we really do to bring this thing back? And it was in development for a very long time. And there were four major players. So Airstream called upon Colonial Airstream, which is the number one Airstream dealer in the whole country. They happen to be in my neck of the woods, Lakewood, New Jersey. I've been down there. It's a candy store. And Can-Am, a Canadian Airstream seller. Adventures Northwest, out in the Pacific Northwest. And they called upon Mike Harlan, who is an Airstream expert know-it-all and Mike at that time was at Haydesi which was the flagship store really for Airstream that's where the Airstreams go when they first come off the line that's their store so they're also in Ohio so Mike and these four other dealers all got together they made a think tank and they all began putting together the ideas of what they would want in this base camp and they began constructing the prototypes and now the finished product is out there and I have to tell you it is stunning. I absolutely think it is a piece of artwork like all Airstreams are. I'm not a person who is a minimalist. I like stuff. I like fluffy. I like curtains. I like lots of pillows and blankets. You would not dare girl camper this product up. It is so sleek, so beautiful, and it is now available. And so it is going to be at the Hershey RV show this week. There's only one model that is out there, and it doesn't even have a refrigerator in it yet because they're back-ordered. They're waiting on 125 refrigerators. But within two weeks, these are going to be at Airstream of South Florida, and I would imagine Colonial Airstream and Adventures Northwest and Can-Am will have them too. You'll have to go online to see where there is one near you. I know that Colonial Haydesee and South Florida Airstream are going to have them. But you've got to go online and take a look at this product. Absolutely beautiful. It has a side door that opens and it's like a galley kitchen, sort of like a ship up front. Unbelievable the way they've made this thing so beautiful. It almost has windows going all the way around. So if you were sitting in it and taking a scan, you would see a view of not 360, but very close. There is a full bathroom in this little trailer and it has a back door that opens. So it has two benches in it with a post in the center for a table that swivels. So you could sit five people in there sitting around in the rain or in the evening sitting in there. And then the back door opens much like a Pendleton Airstream. So you could let all the air in. You could take a look at nature, what's going on. If you were parked by the side of a stream, it would be so beautiful. But it only sleeps two. And those two benches could be used as two twin beds or the thing all folds down to a 76 by 76 inch bed, which is for all intents and purposes, a king. A king bed is 80 by 80. So you're four inches short of being a king size bed. So we'll call it RV king. It's an RV king bed. Absolutely beautiful trailer. So I want everybody to go online and take a look at this piece of artwork starting at, and I mean, if you've ever shopped for an Airstream, you know how expensive they are. The cheapest Airstream out there would be like a Bambi Airstream, and I think the lowest model in a Bambi is close to $60,000. You can buy the base, base camp Airstream for $34,000 absolutely beautiful. I'm so excited about it. I can't wait to see it. I'm going to see it at the Hershey RV show. So that's my next thing. I'm going to tell you why I'm not in Ohio and why I'm at the Hershey RV show when we talk about that in our segment, uh, feature segment today. But I am not going to Ohio until Thursday for the Country Living Fair. And I am going to be at the Hershey RV Show just for one day on Wednesday. I'm going to be hanging out with my producer, Stephanie. And we're going to be buzzing that show, getting some interviews and looking at all the new products. And I'm going to be posting lots of stuff on Instagram on Wednesday. So go on and follow Girl Camper 528 on Instagram. And I'll be posting the pictures of that new Airstream as well as the new 
product by Go Little Guy Worldwide, which is the Scotty Zero trailer. Zero Scotty, Scotty Zero. It's actually Zero Scotty. So that is debuting at the Hershey RV show. So as long as I had this snafu in my plans, I have reworked it and I'm going to be at Hershey and I'm going to be sending you those pictures and I'm going to be Instagramming all of that and interviewing people and having all kinds of fun there. If you're in that area of Hershey, PA, that show is so well worth the drive. Now, there's always controversy in the RV industry about what is the biggest RV show. The Florida RV show in Tampa calls itself the super show, the largest show in the country. The Hershey people also claim to be the largest show in the country. Well, I'm not going to run around counting the number of people going through the door. They are both spectacular shows, and I love the Hershey show. So I'm going to be there on Wednesday. If you're there, send me a note on Instagram, and I'll find you. And I will be sending out those pictures. Now, because of the epic fail of my tow vehicle on my way to Ohio... I am not going to have my Riverside Retro, the St. George, at the Country Living Fair after all because I am at a campground in Ohio where I landed when my truck broke down on my way and my husband is on his way to come and get me <laughs> and tow St. George home. And then I'm heading out to Ohio uh, to do the Country Living Fair, stopping at Hershey on my way. And I'm not going to have the St. George, so what's a girl to do, right? I told the Country Living Magazine people that I would display a trailer here. And this is where it's so fun to be girl camper. I called up my friends at Hey to See Airstream and I said, Hey, can I borrow a Bambi trailer from you? And they very nicely said yes. So it's great to have friends in the industry that will just loan you a $60,000 trailer. So... The Bambi is coming over to the Country Living Fair. You know I'm going to have to girl camp it out a little bit. And it's going to be on display all their week, all weekend there. We're going to go do Friday night. We'll be doing Camper College at Hay to See Airstream. It's going to be a fun weekend next weekend. So you'll be listening to this on Tuesday if you're a Tuesday person. And so the Country Living Fair is September 16, 17, and 18, Columbus, Ohio. Come by and see us at the Go RVing booth. That's all the news I have to report, and I'm coming back in a minute, and we're going to be talking in our campfire chat about our RV Family Travel Atlas show, Stephanie and Jeremy's podcast, because I am hijacking their gear guide because I'm too lazy to do it myself. I'm going to tell you all about what's happening for gear for the fall. They did a lot of work to put that together. I'm giving you the cheat sheet. We'll be back in a minute. Campfire Chat is brought to you today by Go Little Guy Worldwide. You know that they're a proud sponsor of the Girl Camper Podcast, and I couldn't be happier about that because they make the greatest little trailers, those little tabs and tags, and now they're coming out with that Zero Scotty. There's so much happening in Go Little Guy that is so pertinent to Girl Campers, so stay tuned. There's some great things going on, and I'm going to bring them all to you as soon as they're out there. But if you want to see for yourself, you can go on golittleguy.com or come and say hello to us at Camper College at Hey to See next weekend. So in our campfire chat today, I want to tell you what is going on at the mothership RVFTA did their fall gear guide. And I know a lot of our listeners are cross listeners. So I don't know if you're hearing this first. If you've already listened to Stephanie and Jeremy on Friday of last week, you know all this and you can skip ahead. <laughs> if not, I want to tell you, they went to so much trouble to put this gear guide together. Stephanie and Jeremy always say to me, Janine, you should do a gear guide. And I always think about it. And then when I get into actually doing it, I have even more appreciation for the work that goes into that gear guide. So it is all about 
first of all, finding the products and then calling the manufacturers and getting samples or purchasing them yourself and then using them to find out what you like or you don't like about them. And then really coming up with an evaluation and a review and then linking them to the show and whittling them down to which which ones made the cut and which didn't. A gear guide episode is so much work that I just wait for Stephanie and Jeremy's to come out. Uh, One of these days I'm going to do it. Maybe I'll do a spring gear guide. But right now I'm just appreciating all the work that Stephanie and Jeremy went to. So I want to tell you a few little highlights because you'll have to go over to their show and listen to it yourself. So if you're a girl camper and you've never listened to the RV Family Travel Atlas podcast, now is your big chance to skip over there and listen to that. So they broke their annual fall gear guide down into three segments, and I really like the way they did this. So number one, they call it the nitty-gritty section, but I'm just going to call it Jeremy's section, okay? So this is all about camper things, things that make operating your camper simpler, easier, just more fun. And it's a list of things, but I picked one thing out of each list. So the thing I picked out of Jeremy's list, because maybe Stephanie was in on this, but I'm thinking it was Jeremy. The thing I picked out of this list is the Cabela's 300 Lumen LED Spotlight. This looks like something I would like to have. And as I was listening to their show and they were describing and Jeremy was talking about how he was playing with it in the backyard with the kids and you could take it down to the beach and it has a zoom sort of lens, telescoping kind of lens so you could beam the light into very small or you could pull it back and really illuminate a large section of any kind of area. I immediately thought of how many times I have been at a campground backing in at night and you cannot see what is behind you. And I immediately thought I would love to have that flashlight because I usually have somebody helping me. If Carol BFF is driving with me, one of us will hold a flashlight while the other one. But we've got, you know, I'm using my cell phone flashlight, which is hardly efficient in a project like that so I just thought oh god I would love to be able to just at least even if you were alone go back to the back of that campsite and light the whole thing up at night and see what's back there where's the bushes sometimes you're on a campsite in which it's been leveled off but then it drops off they have that at Camp Taylor campground so it goes to level and then it's a little ravine So you really want to know where that site ends. And I thought, I would love to have this flashlight for that reason alone. I could think of a dozen other reasons. But it was my pick on their gear guide, nitty-gritty slash Jeremy's side. Okay, the number two in their list is fancy, the fancy stuff. So in the gear guide, there's all those practical things, but then there's fancy stuff that, you know, girl campers like the fancy. And I went through their list of fancy and I picked this, the five-piece Cabela's cast iron cooking starter kit. I got to tell you something. I have a couple of cast iron pots and they are things that you sort of collect over a period of time. Cast iron pots cost a lot of money, but I did not know Cabela's has a starter kit. And a lot of girl campers really end up getting very involved in Dutch oven cooking. I have paid $60 for my big Dutch oven, and that was as a second at a factory down in Pigeon Forge, the Lodge factory in Pigeon Forge. I bought it there in their seconds brand new with the lid, not a second. That is like a $200 pot. So they've got this five-piece starter set for cast iron cooking, and it's all comes, and it's pre-seasoned. And you know what I love about this? These aren't for camping. You can use these at home all the time. I take mine in and out of the camper all the time. I started Dutch oven cooking because I was camping, Once I got used to that cast iron skillet, I brought it into the house and I use it at home in the winter almost every single night. So this is just not something you buy for camping. 
This is for all the time. So the pots come and they're pre-seasoned and the kit includes a 10 inch skillet, which is a really nice size for girl campers because you're usually cooking for one or two. I like the 10 inch, I have that in my camper. Then it has the five quart camp oven with the lid that fits the 10 inch skillet as well. It's really nice to have that interchangeable thing. Then there is the 12 inch really deep skillet pan, which is sort of a combination Dutch oven and frying pan. You can use that interchangeably and I've done that. Now that comes with a lid as well and that lid reverses to become a griddle. This is really cool because if you've got something cooking in that and that thing is really hot, when you flip that lid, you can put biscuits on it, you can put pancakes on it, you can cook bacon on it. I mean, people who know Dutch oven cooking really know how to use these things and maximize it. I do not have that lid that is reversible, but I think I would like to have that. Now that I read that, I think that would be so cool. It also has the lifting tool. So when you've got these things on the coals and they're very, very hot, and on some of these Dutch oven products, the coals go on the lid so that the heat is being generated from the top and the bottom to create a more oven effect. You know, in your oven at home, the heat is coming from all directions. Otherwise, it would be like a stove top. So the coals go on top. There's a little lip. It holds it on. Now, you can't just pick that thing up, and they make this really great little cast iron tool, steel uh, handle that you grab. In addition to that, it comes with the big, heavy-duty leather cooking gloves, which are an absolute must when you Dutch oven cook. I think at $115.99, that is an absolute steal. It is the cooking starter kit for cast iron. And that so that is on my list for fancy. Now, I'm not going to tell you what's the rest of the fancy things because you're going to have to go to the podcast and listen to it to find out. Now, number three is the unbreakable table slash Stephanie's side. <laughs> So Stephanie has been taking it up a notch with her pretty table. She's not a glamper, and either am I, but she likes things nice and pretty because she's a woman, and we like to do things that way. So she has had some really pretty tablecloths and things going on, and she's been taking her table up a notch. But like any mom, she knows everything that goes in a camper has to be form and function. My sister Natalie and I were just talking about that because she's putting all these things in her trailer and she's very picky about what she chooses because it has to be pretty, but it has to be functional. Some of these girl campers carry vintage suitcases around with foam in them and bubble wrap and they carry their dinnerware and stemware. I did that years ago and I am over it. It takes so much room. I can use all that stuff when I'm at home, so I don't need to use it when I'm camping. And they make such pretty things right now that it's not necessary for me to do that. We're not talking about paper plates on a wicker little paper plate holder. They are beautiful dishes and things out there. And my pick from Stephanie's Unbreakable Table is this beautiful set of 16-ounce stainless steel glasses. I think, well, they're not glasses. I should say they're tumblers. 16 ounce stainless steel stackable, that's key, tumblers. They're made by Clean Canteen and they cost $34.50. And I have to tell you, I gasped a little at that price. But then when I thought about it, I thought, how many things do I own that are stainless steel? I'm sitting in my trailer right now recording this at the campground in Pennsylvania, and I'm looking at my 1970s stainless steel Farberware coffee pot that is still running like a top. So you kind of get what you pay for. So stainless steel stackable cups, form, function, and durability. They're going to last so long. I wish I had seen these at the beginning of the year when I was outfitting the St. George because I went into a Home Goods and I bought not stack, well, sort of stackable. You can stack two inside each other. But I bought a set of plastic tumblers that had these little hobnail, you know, they look like 1930 hobnail pattern. They're very pretty and I love them. But I think if I had known about the tumblers from Clean Canteen, I would have preferred those. So, 
Those are my picks from Stephanie and Jeremy's Fall Gear Guide. To hear the whole show, go over to the RVFTA Family Travel Podcast and listen to all the gear guide. Thank you, Stephanie and Jeremy, for putting it together, saving me all the trouble. (laughs) I want to tell you before we head off here to our next segment of the show where I tell you what happens when everything goes wrong and how a girl camper deals with that. Before we head off to our feature segment, Progressive Insurance has a travel tip for you. They want you to know that you should check with your insurance company to see if your pets are covered in case of an accident. Progressive's pet injury coverage protects your dogs and cats if they're in your vehicle and injured in an accident. It's free if you have collision and coverage on your RV policy. So visit Progressive.com for more information. We'll be back in a minute. Listeners, I'm going to tell you the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth about my little emergency breakdown on my way to my bucket list sister on the fly trip. When I started Girl Camper the podcast, I promised myself that it would not be a show about fun and parties and tutus and and drink recipes, that it would be that, because we do that, and it would be the good, the bad, and everything in between. It would be a realistic picture of what it is to be a girl camper. So I think it's only natural and sensible for a woman heading out alone on the road to consider what she would do in the event of a breakdown. Hopefully, you have thought about that ahead of time because one of the things that is so necessary is to know how you would handle an emergency situation and have that sort of contingency plan. Now, I think most women, this would break down in a way of your personality. Now, some people would be unglued and just be reduced to tears and need someone to come and get them. I think that's a very small percentage of girl campers because I do think that girl campers have a bit of a backbone that other women just would like to get to but don't yet have. And I personally believe that becoming a girl camper helps you strengthen that backbone. So I want to give you a realistic picture of what happened to me. And you can decide for yourself is if something like this would be a deal breaker for you, like it would be so stressful for you that you wouldn't be able to be a girl camper. So here's what happened. I headed out on Thursday morning, as was my plan, and I was so organized on this trip too. I'm telling you, I I had it all together. I'm usually running out the door on a wing and a prayer, but I had that trailer packed on Wednesday night. I really cleaned the trailer on Wednesday too. And I got rid of a bunch of stuff inside that I don't normally use because I was planning to be gone for nearly three weeks because I was heading to the country living fair and all these other events. So I really did a good job. I had my bed all made with fresh sheets because that's just a lovely thing when you arrive at your destination and you know that bed is all made up and ready to climb in when you're exhausted from that long drive. I My plan was to depart at 6 a.m. from my home in New Jersey and GPS was telling me it was an eight-hour drive, but I'm slow and steady in the right-hand lane, 60 miles, 65 sometimes, but normally just 60 miles an hour. So I was planning on a 10-hour trip and I was taking my Aunt Sue's advice and stopping every two hours to just get to a rest stop and run to the bathroom or just do a couple laps around the parking lot, keep my energy level up. I had my healthy snacks. Everything was going as planned. So I left my house actually early. I was so excited I couldn't sleep. So I was awake and I left the house at 5.15 and I started heading west on the Pennsylvania Turnpike. And everything was going very smoothly. I took a break and... um, got back on the road, and I was about four hours into my trip, 
at around mile marker 138 on the Pennsylvania Turnpike when my truck started making a funny noise and doing a funny thing. So let me digress for a minute and tell you about my tow vehicle. So I have, I've said on the show a lot of times, I have a Ford F-150. It's a 2004 F-150 with 165,000 miles on it. Now that may seem like really a lot to some people, but I am married to one of these people who gets the oil changed every three months. The car is always serviced regularly and properly. When things go wrong, my husband is on that. So I really was not worried about the truck. It did have a little problem with the manifold, which is apparently a problem um, that is indicative of this particular model of truck. So it shouldn't keep it from running well. It just makes it a little noisy. And when you first start the engine, you can really smell the gasoline uh, exhaust come into the cab of the truck. Once the truck is up and running, the a metal expands and it closes those gaps where the bolts have broken off, which allows the fuel smell to get in the cab. So it's a nuisance, but I've been living with it for quite a while and it wasn't bothering me. So my husband got on this campaign about six months ago to replace the truck and I would not agree. So if you're a regular listener of the show, you know my husband is having a banner year. <laughs> this is the third time he's been right in about three months. So he was right about the Riverside Retro that I wasn't going to like the booth and I didn't. And he was right about it being a mistake that we didn't put the awning on it. And he was right that I should have replaced the tow vehicle at the beginning of the season. So uh, once again, I have to just say... You were right, honey. So, but I couldn't replace it because it was running. I never had a problem with the truck. So as I'm going along and it was making this funny noise and it's it sounded like a timing belt, if you know what if you know what that means. So it was a little staccato, like it was jerking a little. I did not try to see if it would continue going. I immediately pulled over. And I'm so glad I did because while I was sitting there on the side of the road and I pulled over right where there happened to be an emergency overpass that the state police and emergency vehicles use to get on and off the highway. When you are on the Western Pennsylvania Turnpike going toward Pittsburgh, it's very, very rural. And you can go 30, 40, and 50 miles between exits. Now, I know that when you're out in Wyoming, you go 150 miles between exits. But on the Pennsylvania Turnpike, if you miss your exit and have to go down 30 or 40 miles and come back, it's a big deal. So I happened to pull over right where one of these emergency overpasses were. And I was sitting there thinking that it was something minor. Like, what could this be? And... I turned the car off and I waited a few minutes and I turned it back on and it was making quite a loud noise. So now I'm thinking this could be something bigger. Before I even had time to think about this, less than five minutes after I pulled over, a Pennsylvania Turnpike roadside assistance vehicle pulled up behind me. I never did have to enact my own roadside assistance program that I always carry with me because the Pennsylvania Turnpike does not let you do that. That was news to me. They have their own program. You have to use their tow truck and submit it to be reimbursed. So the tow truck driver, no, the emergency assistance personnel in the truck listened to the motor and he said, I have to advise you not to go forward, which I wasn't going to do, so <laughs> that was not even a consideration. But he did say to me, up ahead of you, there is construction with no shoulder and a tunnel. Well, the last thing I would have wanted to do is be stuck in a tunnel with no shoulder in a broken down car and tractor trailers coming up behind me. So I didn't even consider trying to continue driving the car. I had no idea what was wrong with it. It could have been something so simple and I could have saved myself the expense of the tow 
by getting to the next exit, but that is foolish. I didn't even think about that. So fortunately for me, the tow truck came like 15 minutes later. From the time the car broke down till the time the tow truck got there was less than 20 minutes. I was very lucky. I have to say that I always say my guardian angel prayer whenever I'm driving. And I feel like for the everything that went wrong, it was the best case scenario. I pulled over right at that emergency exit. So the tow truck driver put my truck on the flatbed and then he had a hitch on the back, which he towed the trailer with. He was able to back this whole thing up and get on the emergency overpass because we had to go back east toward the town of Bedford, Pennsylvania, and we would have had to go 30 miles in each direction to turn around if that overpass hadn't been there. So the second thing that went very well in my worst case scenario here is that there happened to be a Ford dealership in the little town he was taking me to of Bedford, Pennsylvania. They had a very good reputation, and he dropped the truck off. As if that wasn't lucky or blessed enough, there was an incredible, beautiful campground one mile from the Ford dealership. I literally could have walked, but in a fourth stroke of luck, there was an Enterprise car rental at the Ford dealership. <laughs> So this lovely tow truck driver, Larry, took my camper to the Friendship Village Campground in Bedford, PA, which I am going to review on the show next week or the week after because I want to do a girl camper trip to Bedford. It was a lovely place to be stuck, and that campground was family-owned and so charming and so lovely. It was a beautiful weekend at the Bedford Campground. <laughs> so... Truck goes to the Ford dealer. They're so busy. This is Thursday morning now. By noon, it was before noon that I got there. They could not even look at my truck until Friday night at four o'clock. So I rented a car from Enterprise. I got my trailer. Larry dropped it off for me. He was kind enough to level it with me. <laughs> so that I just met the nicest people. This whole catastrophe was so full of lovely people. Got the trailer, jumped off, went to the Ford dealership, rented the car, and then I just came back and I waited. And I, you know, I did writing and I cleaned out my trailer some more and I, I just, you know, cooled my heels there. I took a little drive around town and got to see what's in the Bedford area. But then I got the staggering news from the Ford dealership on Friday at 5 that my truck was totaled. This shocked me. It didn't shock my husband at all. But apparently what went wrong without any warning whatsoever is that two of the cylinders were only um, operating at 30%. So if you're a gearhead, apparently this means that you have to put a new engine in the car. And I wasn't going to put a new engine in a truck with 165,000 miles on it. So there my truck sat. And my plan at that point was to just take the rent-a-car and go on to Ohio and have fun with the girls on Saturday night and then come back on um, Monday. And by then I thought the Ford dealership would have had my car repaired. But once I realized it couldn't be repaired, I called my husband and he came out on Saturday after work. I was four hours from home. He came out Saturday after work and we towed the trailer home on my husband's Honda Pilot. So the trailer weighs 3,100 pounds. The Honda Pilot has a 4,500 um, tow capacity. I was not comfortable with that, but we did do it. It was safe. We had lovely neighbors at the campground who helped us switch our hitches all around, and, and we got the thing home. So my trailer is home, safe and sound in the driveway. I'm heading back out on the road on Wednesday because I'm just renting a car, and I have all these things I have to be doing. I'm going to the Hershey RV show on Wednesday just for the day, and then I'm going on to the Country Living Fair and my other assignments for Ohio <laughs> in September. So here's the thing that I want to talk about when catastrophe strikes, and I don't even like to say the word catastrophe. That's overstating it so far because 
it's just a breakdown. So the worst case scenario when a girl camper is on the road is that you have a wreck, that you have an accident and someone is badly hurt or worse. That's worst case scenario. Having your truck break down on your way to someplace is a first world problem. And I think the first thing that you have to do if something like this goes wrong is just put it in perspective and have the right attitude about it. It's just a first world problem. You had a breakdown. So I didn't get to go on my trip, which was disappointing, yes, but they're going to have more trips. It's like Lay's potato chips. Go ahead and eat them. We'll make more. It's just there's going to be other trips. I missed it. I'm sorry I missed it, but I missed it. So attitude is part of the plan. The other thing that I think is so important that I learned here is having a plan for an emergency before you leave is so important. So here's what I learned. I had my roadside assistance. I had no idea that there would be places in which I wouldn't even be able to use it. Now you could still use it because they allow you to submit your receipt from the Pennsylvania Turnpike's towing people to your own insurance company. So I still had my roadside assistance. Progressive Insurance, I already called them, covered the towing of my trailer because I have that trip interruption insurance and my trip was certainly interrupted. <laughs> so so that paid for itself because I, I think I pay something like, 19 extra dollars a year and it was uh, 75 or 78 dollars to have the tow, uh, trailer towed and it was an additional the whole total bill for towing was 174 dollars so 78 of that I think was actually for the trailer and I can submit that now I don't have progressive insurance on my car I have Allstate on my car one of the things that I decided at this thing is that I am going to package my trailer and my new tow vehicle all in one. I'm going to get the progressive package for the whole thing. If I had had that progressive package for the whole thing, it would have paid for my campground and for the, um, even, it even would have paid for my meals. It covers food, hotel, car rental. So I, I wished I had had that, and I didn't. So we have had the same Allstate insurance for so many years, and so now I'm going to look into whether or not I should have that all-in-one bundle. The second thing I want to talk about with this, though, is about having a person in your life. Now, I called up my husband, and as things were happening, I was calling him up saying, well, the Ford dealer said this, the guy said that, the, the tow truck driver said this, and, and we were talking about what ifs and worst case scenarios, and worst case scenarios, the car is totaled, which is what happened. Best case scenario is it could have been repaired, and I would have been on my way. But I had him to talk to about this. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because two weeks ago, I was camping with a podcast listener who said to me, you know, Janine, I don't think you realize that when you're talking on the show, you talk a lot about Rick, that he said this, or Rick did that, or my husband fixed this for me. And she said, I don't have someone in my life like that. And I walked away and I thought to myself, wow. I, I got to correct that. And so the more I thought about it, the more I thought, you know what? There's lots of women in this group who don't have a Mr. Sister, but they have a dad or they have a brother or they have a girlfriend. It doesn't have to be a man. They have someone in their life that they could call up and go, you know what? I broke down on the highway. I need you to know where I am. You need to let someone know where you are. And I called Rick and I said, I'm at Friendship Village Campground. But Carol and I have uh, traveled many times at night and we'll stop someplace. We always text home to say where we are. We just want someone to know this is where we stayed tonight. So there's plans and safety things that you do. So whether it's a Mr. Sister, your husband, or it's your dad, or your best friend, or your girlfriend, or your brother, or someone you trust, you need to have someone that you could call up and say, do you think this sounds like a ripoff? Does this make sense to you? Listen, 
I was so shocked that they totaled the car that I called four different mechanic friends of mine to go, this is what they said about the cylinders. Does this make sense to you? And I got concurrence from people, which made me feel better because I don't know this dealership and they happen to have a very good reputation. But what if you were in some small town and it was just a garage and you didn't have a big corporation behind it? You would want to know whether or not you were being ripped off and you should have someone that you could call and talk to. So my recommendation now would be whoever your mechanic is that works on your car. I mean, we have the same people for 20 years that work on our cars. So I could call Jeff and ask him and I could call Jamie and ask him. And I've got my guy, Chris, at the trailer place who's been working on my trailers for 10 years. So I have these people and I can call them for advice. But you should know ahead of time. Have those phone numbers in your phone. If something went wrong, you need to have a friend or someone to call to talk about that. The other thing I want to talk about is the kind of prep work you do before you leave on a trip. So I was very organized on this trip, and the day before I left, I took the car in, and I had um, the oil change, and I even had new wiper blades put on for $40, which are now gone. And in the spring, I had a complete service job done on my truck. I had new spark plugs. I had two new front tires put on that truck. So I had done all of this maintenance. So the day before I left, though, I had the tires checked and I did all the safety things. I had the oil changed. Now, I went off on this trip and I think I really dotted every I and crossed every T. I wasn't going off on the road with a tire that's leaking or a, or a, a check engine light that's going on. I don't think I could have foreseen what had happened, although my husband <laughs> really disagrees with that. He he just wanted to replace it, but he likes new trucks, so I think he really just wanted an excuse for the new truck. But anyway, now we're going to have to get a new tow vehicle, but get all of those things done so you do the most that you can do to make sure you're preventing anything like this from happening. Now, if someone sideswiped you or cut in front of you or you jumped a curb and blew a tire, those things are unforeseen. But you can control what kind of maintenance you have on your tow vehicle. So make sure all these things are done. Make sure you do everything that you can to prevent something from happening in the first place. The last thing I want to say about that is this is the first time in 10 years of doing girl camping where I have ever had a breakdown where I couldn't go on. I have had small things happen. I was driving once to Pigeon Forge and a light kept coming on in my car and I kept having to pull over and find out what it was, but it was actually just a faulty fuse and when we pulled it out and put it back in, it was fine. I have never had a breakdown in the 10 years which caused my trip to be completely interrupted and not be able to go on. I've also never had a breakdown where I was completely by myself because you know on this show I always talk about no sister left behind. Well, that's great if there's sisters traveling with you. I was completely alone on this trip and I wasn't frightened by it because I was pretty near to home and I got good help right away, and I was near a pretty decent-sized town. So if you are a person who feels like you wouldn't know what to do or be very frightened in a situation like this, these are sort of things that you have to think of. I don't think it's a reason to not camp like a girl, but I think it's a reason to always plan a trip in which you are traveling with a companion. If something happens, you have a buddy to go along with. The last thing I want to tell you about is one of the women who is on a Sister on the Fly bucket list trip to Maine. A bunch of Sisters on the Fly are traveling to Maine right now. And she posted on Facebook last night that she decided to take the back road so she could enjoy all the beauty. But it got very late at night and here it was 11 p.m. and she is towing a trailer in Maine. In, in the White Mountains of New Hampshire, it got very dark, it got very windy, it began to hail. It said it was 48 degrees, but it was a wind chill of 28 with 70 mile an hour winds. And she was on a back road in the White Mountains and her GPS was not picking up a signal. She didn't know where she was. Sorry, Cindy. Don't do things like that, everybody. 
Don't take the back roads at night. You stay in the light. Stay near a main road. So just choose wisely. Do things that make sense. She couldn't have anticipated that it would go so badly. She is safe and sound and got to where she wanted to be. But it was frightening to be lost on the back roads in the White Mountain in hail and wind. The Washington New Hampshire has the highest recorded wind speeds ever in the United States. It's very dangerous. People die up there on things like that. So you have to be very careful. Use good sense. It all worked out. I'm back home. The truck is gone. I have to tell you that when I drove over to the parking lot, once I knew the truck was going to be totaled, and I drove over to the parking lot to empty it out, and I pulled up in the rent-a-car, and I looked across the lot, and I saw my truck sitting there, I sat in that rent-a-car and cried like a baby. I can't even say it right now. I drove 125,000 happy miles in that truck on my Girl Camper Adventures, and I am going to miss it. But everything works out, and it's all going to be for a good reason. And I think my husband will have a lot more peace of mind when I'm in something that's newer, and I'm going to take my time searching for something. But it was hard to walk away from a truck, and I had to keep telling myself, it's just a possession, Janine. It's an inanimate object. It's a thing. But it was my sidekick. <laughs> I know, it's silly. It's just a truck. But it was so much more than a truck. It was, it was my best friend on the road. So anyway... That's what happened on my crazy, um, not bucket list trip to Sisters on the Fly. But I gained so much experience from this thing. But I met the loveliest people on this trip. And I'm going to talk about the Friendship Village campground next week because I want to plan a girl camper trip in Bedford, Pennsylvania. There was so much to see and do there. And maybe I could enjoy it a little more next time. <laughs> okay, we'll be back in a minute. Well, that's our show for today. I'd like to thank my sponsors, Progressive Insurance and Go Little Guy Worldwide. Go Little Guy is debuting their new reproduced Zero Scotty trailer at the Hershey RV show this week. I'm going to be at their booth. I'm going to take all kinds of pictures of it and I'm going to post it on Instagram for you to see. You can also visit all the Little Guy Worldwide trailers at our Hay to See Airstream Camper College on Friday, September 16th. I'd like to thank my producer, Stephanie Puglisi, for putting this show together. Stephanie and her husband can be heard every Wednesday on Campground of the Week and every Friday on the RV Family Travel Atlas podcast. You can also catch up with those roaming Puglisis at the Hershey RV Show. They're going to be going around, they're going to be looking at all the new trailers, and they're going to be giving out some really cool progressive swag. So if you check out their Instagram account, you can find them and win some cool stuff. I'll see you next week. Happy trails. <laughs>